Are you struggling to create engaging content for your B2B brand? Let Podcast Town help. Our expert services will help you develop a successful content marketing strategy, making your brand stand out and increase revenue. With our guidance, you'll create quality content that resonates with your audience and builds brand loyalty. Visit our website at podcasttown.net to learn more and to get started today. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. Are you a business owner or entrepreneur looking to take your business skills to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Enterprise Now Show. Prepare to be inspired, motivated, and transformed. And now, your host, LZ Flinnard. Can I get it? Oh, yeah. What's up, Enterprisers? Welcome to episode 82 of the Enterprise Now podcast where we educate, motivate, inspire, and transform business owners and entrepreneurs into success. That is what we do. We help folks launch, grow, and maximize. In this episode, I talk with Allison Gerlach. Allison is a seasoned strategic management consultant, serial entrepreneur, investor, business executive, and lecturer with expertise in and a passion for building businesses. Mrs. Garlock has done extensive research in optimizing the business startup process and has founded and built businesses in industries that include consumer packaged goods, media, technology, and professional services. We talk about challenges that entrepreneurs face, having patience, and how to have faith in yourself. We discuss the difference between capitalism and greed. We also talk about knowing when the game is over. Look, you don't want to miss this conversation. But before we dig in, here's a short message from our sponsor. Financing is a critical part of starting or growing a business. If you need financing for your business, Credit Line One is number one for business, personal, and real estate credit lines. Credit Line One offers no upfront cost financing for your business, personal, or real estate needs. Head over to creditlineone.com slash enow to get started. That's creditlineone.com slash enow. All right, Allison, can I get an oh yeah? Oh, yeah. Nice, nice. So, Allison, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time out to to uh, chat with me today. Um, I'm super excited because you have a ton of, uh, of knowledge, wisdom, and experience that uh, I know that my listeners are going to learn a lot from. So thank you so much for uh, sitting down with us. Um, I always like to ask my guests to tell us about themselves. But when I when I say that, I mean... You're free to go all the way back to the day you were born or start more current day. Tell us about yourself. Um, that's a little dangerous. I'm no spring chicken, so that's, <laughs> you know, it can be pretty far back. As a context to this, I've always said I'm really excellent at telling great stories and selling companies. I am abominable at selling myself, and that's partially because I'm a or child of the 70s and 80s, where it was sort of considered gauche to market yourself. Like the really cool clubs were the ones in the back alleys that you couldn't even find the door to, right? Nowadays, it's all about marketing and social media and really honking your own horn. And I was raised 
in an era where if you had to honk your own horn, that would be terribly embarrassing for you because it meant you had no content to speak for itself. So there's my context of how uh, terribly uncomfortable it actually is. So let me try and give it to you in a way that might be a little comfortable. I am a Southern California girl, born and raised nerd and sports fan. I was an investment banker. I was uh, I did investment banking overseas, and then I was a strategic management consultant with Booz Allen Hamilton. And then I went off to business school at MIT, Sloan School of Management, where I really, really got interested in what then was called new product and venture development. Uh, and I did a lot of focus and study on how to optimize. Really, I also did a degree in systems optimization and thought, well, what better system should we optimize than building companies? Uh, built my first company. I've built a few companies since. I generally build my companies to sell them. And now, about 20 years later, I still uh, advise a number of startups, I mentor a lot of teams. I invest in early stage ventures. I've also done some private equity and mid-cap stage investing. Uh, and I still do consulting and advising. And as well, I've also along the way uh, done some teaching. And uh, the subject that I generally teach is business plan development uh, and uh, new business development. Talk a little bit about how things have changed and how you've been able to navigate that, right? You mentioned like um, before it was it was a, a, a kind of an environment where if you had to toot your own horn, then you're not you're not doing it right. Versus now, it's like you absolutely should be tooting your horn. How did you make that adjustment? Um, to be honest, I'm not sure I've ever been successful at that adjustment. I think the only successful thing I've done is recognize that the gap has happened, and I've certainly seen a lot of leaders in business who are maybe one generation above me. Uh, who are mostly gone and retired by now, um, but they actually failed to make the adjustment, but it didn't hurt them that much because they had made a lot of money. And that's one thing in entrepreneurship that I have noticed along the way is that entrepreneurs, business leaders, uh, you know, leadership is hard and most people fail. But if you've been an entrepreneur who got lucky and hit one out of the park right when you came up to bat, then you don't recognize all the other mistakes you made because your cushion of all that money you've made makes you think that it doesn't hurt when you fall. So the adjustment, I guess, to go back of what you're really asking, how do you adjust to an atmosphere where you really do need to be out there marketing yourself appropriately versus from the, boy, if you have to you know, speak for your work, it means your work wasn't good enough to speak for itself. I think there's still an element of that. I think it's, I like to say it's sort of the Wizard of Oz complex. There's a lot of people who really project Oz out there, and it's really not hard to create something wild and spectacular and noteworthy and eye-catching. The problem is, at some point, as an entrepreneur, as a business person, as an investor, I've always been for long-term value. And the really big toot your horn and the big Oz production is a short-term play. At some point, someone's going to pull back the curtain and you have to ask yourself, is the little old man going to disappoint your consumers, your investors, whoever is in your value chain that matters to you? So I think um, I generally adjusted in that I never really put the curtain around me. I sort of just stayed you know, the, the, the little old man and uh, have tried to just become comfortable being an old man. 
So if you had to identify one thing as your superpower, what would that be? God, that's such a great question. And I keep trying to go to what I would want it to be. I actually think that uh, my greatest power is also one of my greatest struggles, and that's patience. You know, as an entrepreneur, you have to be inherently impatient to try and really go after marketplaces that haven't quite revealed themselves yet. And at the same time, I think a lot of people thwart their own progress unknowingly because they're always trying to fix something or they're always trying to make sure uh, there's an option out there. When really, if you have been a good gardener, if you have planted well, you have tilled the soil, you have watered appropriately, you have to have the patience to let some options play out. And I think if I was going to say what's been the greatest business successes I've had, it's because I've been patient enough to let things play out. And at the same time, I've had the patience to say, no, thank you, and turn down uh, an offer or a business or something that really wasn't going to be right. Yeah, I agree. I think that knowing, one, number one, knowing who you are, knowing what you are, and knowing why you are, are, are definitely three things that will guide you as you make those decisions. Talk a little bit about, um, give us one of those business successes and, and what led up to that success. My first business that I started was uh, right out of business school. So it was the mid to late 90s. And uh, that was the time the dot com boom was just going like crazy. I had actually started my company a little bit before uh, people lost sight of genuine you know, business models and economic models. So I had actually built an economic model to be profitable. And I say that because in the late 90s, the word profit somehow became a, a bad word that you weren't supposed to say to any investor. No one wanted to hear about profit. They just wanted to you know, invest hundreds of millions of dollars and build brands in this very quick and explosive way. So I had built a company based on actual fundamental economic principles and, and I had earned some business unit level profitability. And I went out to raise, at the time it would have been considered a big round. Uh, it was three to $5 million. But that was right when venture capital funds all of a sudden turned into multi, you know, almost billion dollar funds. They were 400, $500 million funds. And I remember sitting across the table from a managing partner from a venture fund right on Sand Hill Road uh, in the Palo Alto area. And he was someone I had heard speak at MIT. And I pitched to him and he looked at me and he said, and I remember I, my valuation of the company at the time for the whole thing was maybe $30 million. And he pushed the uh, plan back and said, wow, it's really super what you've done, but I need to be able to invest like 30 to 50 million in you March you to IPO inside of nine months at a billion dollar market cap. It's like, so can you fix that? So the plan, so I can do that and let's sit down again. And I remember I looked at him and I said, wait a minute, I just presented a plan where I said for $3 million, you can have about 40% of 20 to 40% of my company. And you're telling me, no, you want to give me 30 million for 40% of the company. I basically said, you can have a hundred percent at 30 million. <laughs> Take it all. <laughs> like it made no sense to me. And I actually walked away. And it was very difficult because our company was really cash strapped at the time. And for the next few months, I remember trying to do business with other companies. And even though we had some sound economics, our PNL was pretty solid. They kept saying, well, who's your venture backer? 
who's your venture backer? And I said, well, I only have, you know, it's my money and some, you know, a couple angel investors and that's it. And it made us seem, because we had no venture fund behind us, it made us seem like we were unreliable somehow. And I kid you not, all the companies around that had just gotten a hundred million investment from a venture fund, 200 million, they all were imploding six months later and we were left standing. So it was a hard decision to make. And I think a lot of uh, folks really looked at me and go, how could you have turned down the opportunity to get 30 to 50 million pumped into your business? And I remember it's really because I thought our company would implode. And I did sit for the next 18 months watching all these other so-called more reliable companies because they were venture-backed. That was exactly the time when the dot boom turned into the dot bomb. That was your superpower at in play, right? Patience. Now, tell us how do you leverage that to overcome challenges? I don't know that there's any magic to overcoming challenge. I think the beauty of patience is that you, you actually, you have to have a, a re, and I, I don't mean to belittle this word, but you have to have a certain amount of faith in that your plan is the best for the long-term value. I think that especially in entrepreneurship and certainly in the last 20 years, you know, capitalism has been mistaken with greed and greed is really a short-term play. And when you are starting a company, it's, there are times that feel very desperate. I mean, I know what it's like to stay up at night wondering if you're going to make payroll. I know what it's like to worry about signing a lease and think, oh God, I got to make rent every month on this office space. And I have to somehow afford desks and people need phones. And, you know, that is, I know what that pain feels like. So there has to be a reasonable amount of faith that you have built an infrastructure and, and a plan that you can really see so clearly that you can let things play out. Now, the caveat to that is you also have to know when the game is over. I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs who don't understand that the clocks run out. Like there has to be a point that I think that at the same time that there's you have to stay positive. Failure's not an option. Uh, you know, you never quit. I think that those are really detrimental things to say because if you've built a really good plan and understand it well for the long-term value, you also have to know, recognize when the clocks run out and the game's over and that it's not quitting, that it's truly recognizing, you know what, the game's over, the better team won and it wasn't me today. And I think that's important because I've seen too many entrepreneurs think the game is still going because people tell them failure is not an option and they end up scorching the earth beneath them instead of living to play another game. And that I think is really the biggest challenge for entrepreneurs is they're bullied into thinking that failure is not an option when frankly, it's statistically the most likely option. That's a really, really good point. So what does that look like knowing when the game is over? I think you can only know what the whole game even looks like if you've done a really thorough and excellent business plan. I'm a huge advocate of business plans. It's something that I teach as a curriculum. I think that people feel like, well, you don't need one. I'm like, of course you don't need one. You also don't need an education or a business degree to succeed in business. You can get extremely lucky, right? You can also buy some lottery tickets and maybe win the lottery. You know, it's just not a great strategy because the odds are really, you know, there's a, what's that saying? Luck favors the prepared. If you aren't prepared, 
you have no shot of recognizing opportunity when it happens upon you. So I really believe in being prepared. I believe in having a thorough business plan. And that's not just saying, hey, here's how the business will work. A good business plan is one that says, here's all the things that will challenge this business. And I know there's some I haven't even thought of, but I'm going to think of it as a devil's advocate. And if I think of it that way, and I'm still convinced that I've got to give this a shot or I won't be able to sleep at night, then you probably have something, right? There, there has to be something there that has these metrics, that has some sort of marks that says, all right, at this point, it's going to be too harmful to move forward. If we raise more money, that's only going to hurt the company more. If we wait till we run out of money, we might hurt our customers. So there has to be those metrics around you that, that will tell you the game's over, right? In sports, you're watching a game. You have a scoreboard. You have somebody keeping time. There are metrics that tell you the game's still going or it's over. There's no reason why you shouldn't have those same metrics in place to understand what that's like for your business. And that could be cash flow. That could be revenues. It could be customers. It could be sales pipeline. Every business has its own success metrics that should tell you the game's going well and you're winning. Or you need to change tax because you're not doing well on the field. Or, boy, we're running out of time and this is our last play. If you had to give a couple, what would be your keys to success? Well, my first one actually comes from my very first, when I was in business school, there was a, a course called, it was called Entrepreneur Lab, E-Lab. Um, and the uh person who taught it at the time, who actually, this was, I I didn't care for him much, but he wrote this one acronym on the board that has stuck with me for over 20 years. And the acronym was ENASWAZI. And it stands for every entrepreneur needs a spouse with a steady income. I have found that to be an extraordinary support and a, a huge part of success is to have a person, uh, partner in life, separate from business, that uh, has been supportive of me in all the ways that you can use the word support. And I can't imagine being successful without that. So that would be my first and foremost uh, key to success is to, you know, sort of have a stalwart person in your life that can really help absorb all of the extreme highs and extreme lows that come with uh, the just insane roller coaster ride that is starting your own venture. Let's take a quick break from this awesome conversation for a quick message from our sponsor. Seems everyone is podcasting these days, but if you want to do it right and stand out from the crowd, you need to contact Enterprise Now. E-Now Podcast Solutions is second to none in providing best-in-class customer service and delivering top-quality podcast production. Podcast editing can be time-consuming and tedious. You're a podcaster. That's what you do best. Let us do the dirty work for you. Besides, it's what we do best. Then all you have to do is your awesome show. We can help with basic editing, mixing, promotion, delivery, tagging, and pro editing. Whatever you need, we can do it for you. Check us out and see all the ways we can make your podcast sound amazing and professional. Visit enterprise-now.biz slash production. Let's talk about the unapologetic capitalist. One of the things that you said uh, in one of your answers before was there's a difference between capitalism 
versus greed. Tell us about um, the unapologetic capitalist and what what that is. Um, well, thanks for asking. Uh, the unapologetic capitalist came about. I was on faculty as the entrepreneur in residence at Cornell University um, several years back, uh, which was great fun, and I loved being back at my alma mater. And I was at the time actually working on a book, um, and it was derived from my curriculum of building a business plan, pitching your venture, getting investment, uh, running your company, leadership, entrepreneurship, all those things. And I happened upon somebody who was on an airplane who was media um, for iHeartRadio when they were launching their talk platform a few years back. He loved my stuff, and he asked me, he said, would you consider radio? Would you consider doing a show talking about all this? And I said, sure. I love lecturing. I love talking about it. I have content for days. And uh, the one thing he said was he said, how do you introduce yourself when you go to lecture um, on your live lectures? And I said, I always say this comes from the perspective of an unapologetic capitalist. And uh, he said, I love it. And that's why it was called that. Now, generally, when I talk, especially to academic audiences, and I always say my perspective is from an unapologetic capitalist, I get sort of hisses and moves, very altruistic, uh, you know, audience of students who think they know everything, because let's face it, in your 20s, you know everything, and it's lovely. Uh, who doesn't want to remember what it was like to be like that? Um, and I always stop them, and I ask them, and I said, all right, for those of you who are either hissed or sat next to someone who hissed at that, but how many of you want to uh, create a company one day that can employ lots of people? How many of you want to be generous to your employers, employees, offer health care, offer benefits, have loyal employees that you can be generous to? You know, how many of you want to be great philanthropists one day? You know, I have sort of this whole list. And everybody eventually raises their hand. And so, well, guess what allows you the flexibility to do all those things? And it's I mean, capitalism to me is the pursuit of long-term value. Greed is all about short-term cash. A lot of times it's at other people's expense, or it's not even other people's expense. It's almost like you don't care about the other person. It's a very myopic short-term view. My view on capitalism is that the needs of the venture have to take priority over anyone's individual wants. Needs come before wants the greater good before the individual. And the long-term must always be serviced by the tactics of the short-term. So that's my view on capitalism. I think that's, you know, like I said, I think for a while the term greed hijacked capitalism. I'm trying to bring it back. If you had to give the my listeners one actionable tip that they can implement to improve their business today, what would it be? I would say on a daily basis, ask yourself, are you being a good leader? And are you the right leader? I think that even just asking yourself the question if you are the right leader. And the reason why I ask that is because I believe the very best founders and CEOs are the ones who do every single job in the company themselves and then spend the rest of the time giving those jobs away to people who do it better than they can. And I think that. If you can, an actionable tip would be question yourself first. You know, it's like putting on your own oxygen mask before assisting others. And from there, you can probably get a lot more done. I, I, there's, 
whenever, anytime something, you know, if you're at a negotiating table, uh, just a meeting table or whatever, the worst things to enter the room are ego, hubris, whatever you want to call them. They're always uninvited, but they always ingratiate themselves. But the greatest things that can enter any room is an open mind and an open heart. Now, wrapping things up, Allison, if people want to get in touch with you, reach out if they have questions or they want to subscribe to your your podcast, how can they do that? Uh, I would love that. Um, They can go to unapologeticcapitalist.com. That's just how it's spelled, unapologeticcapitalist.com. You can see all my episodes there. Uh, By the way, I know we talked about uh, building a business plan. Uh, If you put unapologeticcapitalist.com slash four, just the number four, that's the episode I give on um, building a business plan. Uh, They can also go to unapologeticcapitalist.com slash iTunes. That'll also show my entire library. Uh, And they can reach me personally at the UC at unapologeticcapitalist.com. Or they can reach me on Twitter at A-B-G-E-R-L-A-C-H, which is my first two initials and last name, A.B. Gerlach. Um, And I'd be happy to hear from any of your listeners. Well, thanks so much um, again, Allison, for sharing with us. I know I got a lot out of it. So I know for a fact that my listeners are going to get a lot of golden nuggets as well. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your experience. Oh, it's absolutely my privilege to be here. All right, Enterprisers, thank you guys for your support. Head on out to the website, download those three P's to empowerment if you have not already done so. And uh, I'm looking forward to see what, seeing what you guys come up with. Um, one of the things we talk about on the show all the time is, is passion, purpose, and path. We want to make sure that you're in alignment and that you're operating in your awesome zone. So thank you guys so much for your support. And we'll talk with you next week. Financing is a critical part of starting or growing a business. If you need financing for your business, Credit Line One is number one for business, personal, and real estate credit lines. Credit Line One offers no upfront cost financing for your business, personal, or real estate needs. Head over to creditlineone.com/enow to get started. That's creditlineone.com/enow. Seems everyone is podcasting these days. But if you want to do it right and stand out from the crowd, you need to contact Enterprise Now. eNow Podcast Solutions is second to none in providing best-in-class customer service and delivering top-quality podcast production. Podcast editing can be time-consuming and tedious. You're a podcaster. That's what you do best. Let us do the dirty work for you. Besides, it's what we do best. Then all you have to do is your awesome show. We can help with basic editing, mixing, promotion, delivery, tagging, and pro editing. Whatever you need, we can do it for you. Check us out and see all the ways we can make your podcast sound amazing and professional. Visit enterprise-now.biz slash production. What a fantastic episode. Hey, listen, I want to know something. What is the top concern that you have in your business? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it finance? Operations? Shoot me an email, mayor at podcasttown.net. I want to start a conversation around these areas of business and how we can work together and help each other shine even brighter.